Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to share our podcast has been nominated in Boise Weekly's annual Best of Boise contest. And while it's an honor to be nominated, I have to admit it would be even more fun to win. If we've helped you connect to the city you love, go to the link in the show notes to vote for us by May 23rd. Thanks, Boise. Today on CityCast Boise, it was another very busy week at the State House, and it just keeps on snowing. With me to sort through the week's news are the Idaho statesman Scott McIntosh and our very own Frankie Barnhill. We're talking about fringe politics, drag bans, cash at school sporting events, and I guess everyone but me loves the month of March. It's Friday, March 3rd. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Frankie. Hi, Emma. Emma, we made it again to Friday. <laughs> we, are. we did it again. Scott, this is your first time on CityCast Boise, so thank you. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's just start with this recent piece of yours in the Idaho Statesman. The title was, Want Property Tax Relief in Idaho? Sorry, Fringe Politics Come First, which I'm sure resonated with a lot of people this legislative session. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, I would imagine, you know, property tax relief is like on the top of everybody's list of things that they want solved. And it's like one of those things that it's like, isn't that what the legislature should be working on? Isn't that, you know, real simple, basic policy that they should be working on? But instead, We've got a ton of kind of fringe politics, attacks on transgender rights, drag shows, obscene, uh, quote unquote, obscene material in libraries, a firing squad, uh, student IDs. You know, 100 people voted with student IDs, but that's something that is apparently a priority for legislators. Um, And the list goes on, you know, the mRNA vaccine ban and armed militia parades, (laughs) militia parades. I mean, yeah. and, And I think every session people kind of. I know for me, you know, we look at the priorities that they're starting out with and then the session starts and it's like, well, where did this all come from? Where did where did all this come from? So, uh, yeah, just a lot of kind of fringe issues that they're that they're focusing on. And here we are in March. It's March. And, you know, we no no property tax relief uh, in sight. Yeah, let's dig into some of these fringe politics that you brought up. Uh, Frankie, we certainly saw, like Scott said, a lot of bills this week that felt more like culture war than what actually people need. Let's kind of start out with that armed militia parade one, which I thought was really pretty interesting, getting some pushback even from Republicans who are like, hey, this law has been in place since 1927. You know, the militias are not trained National Guard members. They're not trained with weapon safety and stuff. It seems pretty concerning to me to allow this. Yeah, and it's an interesting backdrop, too. We spoke with contributor Heath Drusen about this a few weeks ago. We can link to that in the show notes, uh, a little bit deeper conversation on where this bill came from and the concerns around it. But it does seem like, as Scott mentioned, a fringe, which I think means, you know, far right in this instance, and a vocal minority of Republicans who want to see something like this go through. Um, And of course, we've got this, you know, 
history in Idaho uh, that is very uncomfortable, and we all need to remember it. Uh, in North Idaho, uh, Aryan nations had their compound for years, and um, that's something that is, you know, majorly to be focused on when we're talking about anything to do with militias and, you know, quote-unquote making them legal. Um, and then, of course, just in general, it seems like, and Scott, I'm curious because you've been following this longer than I have following the legislature. Does it feel like things really are narrowing down where there are these bills that are just like, for example, the the, the cash at school sporting events bill that <laughs> yeah. came up this week that just seems like how many people does this affect where a lawmaker and I'm forgetting their name right now who, who it was, but brought it up saying like, I tried to go to a a basketball game and they needed a credit card and I only had cash, right? It's like, how many people is this affecting? <laughs> well, I, ha I hate to say, I hate to burst your bubble on this one because <laughs> Heather Scott, <laughs> Representative Heather Scott brought this bill a couple of years ago in the early days of the pandemic because remember, we were all disinfecting our envelopes, our mail and right. our groceries. And so a lot of businesses stopped taking cash because they were afraid of transmission of covid and so Representative Heather Scott brought this bill saying that, you know, a business must accept cash, that it's legal tender and you can't refuse somebody. And, you know, I kind of had the same reaction at first, like, oh, come on, give me a break. But then I started doing research into this. And really, the folks who are most affected by cashless society are low income folks who maybe don't have a bank account or can't afford a credit card, can't get credit, don't have a credit card. Minorities are overrepresented in people without access to a credit card. Um, so I actually think this is a good thing because I don't know how many of you folks go to sporting events, high school sporting events, but those things are expensive. And um, it's hard enough, you know, getting in, paying six bucks or seven bucks. And if all you got is cash, I, you know, I think that <laughs> I'm actually think that this might actually be a good bill. Huh, that is so fascinating. I'm so glad you brought that up. And this has actually personally affected me one time because uh, I went to go to my kid's football game and I forgot my purse, but I had 20 bucks in my pocket and I tried to pay for me and my husband and they wouldn't let us use uh, cash. And I was like, can we just go in? Like, I we're not, you know, we're just parents here. I was like, I'll hit you twice at the next one. We're going to be here. <laughs> they wouldn't let us. And I had to have, and this is, you know, really mortifying. But when my ex-husband got there, I had to be like, will you pay for us to get in the game, please? <laughs> I don't have my card. So, yeah, I I get what you're saying, Scott. I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. I felt like when I first read this that this uh, legislator was just like, I was personally inconvenienced one time and I'd like to legislate that. But I hadn't really thought of the backdrop of that. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a problem for some folks, um, mm -hmm. for sure. Well, let's talk about, I mean, Scott's made it so that that doesn't seem very fringe anymore. So let's get, <laughs> let's talk about this dragon burlesque ban, which again, really kind of affects me personally because the bill describes sexual conduct. Uh, this is a bill to ban public drag and burlesque performances, essentially. But one of the things it says is it defines sexual conduct that's going to be banned as sexually explicit descriptions of sex acts, which as a comedian, bread and butter, you know, I do a lot of that and occasionally do, you know, I do I do shows where occasionally people bring their kids. That's not my preference. I don't I don't really want a kid in the crowd when I'm talking about something disgusting, but people bring their kids and potentially, you know, a person could get in a lot of trouble now because of this bill for something like that. Yeah. And it just kind of shows the difficulty in trying to legislate morality. And they're obviously trying to target a very specific problem that they see kids at drag shows 
And so they've tried to craft this legislation that just is, um, you know, wide ranging and really, yeah, ends up being an infringement on, on expression. And again, the chilling effect that this could have on private venues, you know, say, well, geez, I know Emma Arnold has some kind of risque stuff in her, her show. And if a kid comes in, the parents, you know, sues us, you know, we could be in trouble and I can't afford that legal fight. And so I'm just I'm sorry, Emma, I can't have you. I can't have you in. And that's really the practical effect of, of, of bills like this. Um, and again, for trying to solve a problem that doesn't really exist um, and to go through all of this and spend all this time and effort um, on something that, you know, for sure is going to be challenged in the courts, you know, that we, we know this would be challenged in the courts and uh, ends up being an infringement on, on free expression. The language of it, um, I couldn't stop sort of like running over that because it says that such shows would have to be, and this is a quote, patently offensive to an average person applying contemporary community standards in the adult community as a whole. And I I just feel so like, oh, okay. so and obviously you're deciding that, right? Like Idaho Family Policy Center has decided that they're the average adult and their average morality and stuff. And obviously, like you know, uh, that doesn't apply to everybody. I think they're more fringe than they realize in that respect. Right. And lawyers just have got to be salivating over this bill. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> this is what lawyers live for. Uh, the, the litigation around this and that language and how you define that stuff. It just, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare to go through all that uh, to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Emma, you brought up the Idaho Family Policy Center and another bill that they brought forward um, or, you know, were endorsing and definitely played a big lobbying part in was around two of the library bills. And they are dead in committee. Scott, were you surprised that those bills aren't aren't going to, uh, at least in the form that they are in right now, aren't going to make it through? Because, of course, one of them, we'd kind of seen it last year, but that one had a criminal uh, penalty against libraries and librarians. And this one was a civil penalty, which in some ways seemed like people felt like, okay, maybe we can get this through because it's a little less intense. It's not a criminal penalty. But anyway, it still didn't go through. Were you surprised? On its face, I was surprised because, you know, uh, Blaine Kanzati, who, you know, we might as well start calling him Governor Blaine Kanzati. <laughs> um, he's been batting a thousand um, lately with his transgender bills and, and all sorts of moral legislation. But then you, you start thinking about it. And really, a lot of these legislators, they come from small towns. They've used these libraries. They, you know, they're, they know library board members. Um, you know, I think about some of these legislators um, from these small towns and, they know how how razor thin those margins are on library budgets. And they know, I think they they bought the argument that it's like, boy, 10,000 bucks because some kid got their hands on, you know, whatever, catcher in the rye or something that their, their mom didn't want them having would just be devastating for a budget. We don't have $10,000 for this. So I think, you know, yeah, I was surprised, uh, but I think it's, yeah, it's heartening to know that sometimes legislators get it right. Let's move on to something that actually would help people. Uh, we recently did a show about a bill that would allow Idaho's undocumented immigrants to apply for restricted driver's licenses. Scott, what can you tell us about where that bill is at? So that passed out of Senate committee without a recommendation, uh, which is a little unusual. This wasn't a do pass 
um, the legislators in the committee said, you know, let's let's send it to the Senate floor and have a, a debate about it on the Senate floor. Um, and some of the legislators said, well, I might not vote for it, but I do want this to advance and, and see where we are with this. So um, that is awaiting a vote and debate on the Senate floor. But this would give undocumented immigrants uh, restricted driver's licenses and it would allow them to purchase vehicle insurance. So one of one of the problems that we have with uh, folks who don't have driver's license, they don't have uh, car insurance. And so if they get in a crash, that's bad for everybody. So this would uh, help to to solve that problem as, as well. I think it's interesting to, uh, you know, some of the groups that are supporting this, some powerful groups, the Idaho Dairymen's Association, yeah. uh, Idaho Farm Bureau, right, are behind this, as well, of, of course, as uh, Latino groups um, that are in favor of, of this kind of effort. And it's not the first time this effort has come up, so uh, we'll see if this year is the year that it'll actually make it all the way through. But uh, good that Scott noted that it yeah didn't have that due pass recommendation, which I don't know. Does that forecast some trouble down the road, or will there be support that comes later? I guess we'll see. Do we know? Uh, is this the furthest this bill has ever gotten? This is. This has been tried before, um, and this is the farthest that it's it's made it uh, to to a- actually out of committee and onto the Senate floor. Well, that's encouraging then. When we talked to uh, Roseli Guerrero uh, from the ACLU, uh, we learned a ton about that bill. So I can't wait to see what happens with it. It seems like it would really help a ton of people, a lot more undocumented people looking for driver's license than I think most Idahoans realize. So, um, but well, let's talk about this weather we're having. Uh, <laughs> we did it. We survived another February, Boise. I feel proud of us for that. But as our Hey Boise newsletter pointed out, we're not forecast to go over 50 degrees anytime soon. And we're expecting more snow and quite a bit of snow. So I feel like March is always terrible in Boise. It's always terrible. So what do you think, Scott Frankie? Is there a more terrible month or does March own it here? Scott, what are your thoughts? March terrible? <laughs> Look, I'm from upstate New York. You know, March, we usually have another 40 or 50 inches of snow and then followed by an ice storm. So I am never, ever going to complain about the weather in Boise. I also uh, like to ski. So the fact that Bogus continues to get dumped on, I uh, celebrate. So I am good with just about every month. I'm not a hot weather person, so maybe I would complain about August. Oh, okay, Yeah. I'm going to just say, Emma, I mean, I get it. I think that there are some folks who are like, is winter ever going to be over? But got to break it to you. You know, this is good for us. We need the moisture. And I was looking at the Bureau of Reclamation has this very fun map that's like teacups is what they're called. And it shows how much water is in our reservoirs and our different um, dams in our basin. And uh, I like to check in on it because it's important to know what our water supply is like. And with climate change, it's becoming more and more of an issue. And um, right now we're at about 59% of capacity among our three dams. Anderson Ranch has the most at 74% full. And that's a good sign. That's really good. We need We need the moisture. We need the snow to stay in the mountains and slowly melt. So I don't know. I would say March. I do hear you, Emma. March can be a tease. (laughs) Um, But I think it's good to remember that we uh, definitely have it a lot easier than like North Idaho. And it's good for us to continue to to wade into spring and summer slowly. Yeah, I feel like I started this winter as as a like Scott said, like I was like, 
I, I'm so done with the hot weather. I can't wait for winter. And uh, I'm I'm coming out like yesterday, you know, uh, they said, I heard, oh, March 1st, meteorological spring. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm done. I'm done with winter. So I will say, I feel like Boise always does that. Like every season, you're really done with that season by the time it's over. So <laughs> it does a good job of that. Yeah. And by spring break, it's like, who knows, right? When kids are on spring break, it's like, is it going to be 20 degrees and snowing or is it going to be 72 degrees and we can all go for hikes? Uh, we'll we'll find out. <laughs> well, in in like a lion, you know, as they say. So we'll see. Hopefully we have some good weather for that spring break. Well, thank you both so much for being here. And Scott, thank you so much. And I, everybody should read your pieces in the Idaho Statesman. I always really appreciate them. So thanks for coming on. Thanks, Emma. And one more thing before we sign off. All week, we've been talking about how to recycle like a pro. For today's Boise Pro Tip, something to make you think twice about throwing away or trying to recycle batteries. Turns out lithium batteries have caused fires at the recycling center and have completely burned garbage trucks. So instead, take those to one of the city's hazardous waste sites. We'll link to more info in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Frankie Barnhill and Evelyn Avitia. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter, and I'm Emma Arnold. Our music is by Up Is The Down Is That. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with a great chat about rental fee protection with Senator Ali Robbie. Bye.